Welcome everybody to the Outdoor Mentor, where the star of the show is the mentee, not some expert or super show person that we want to make more famous. You'll get to hear from the person that went out in the outdoors with me that was starting their journey or looking to improve their skill set. And every month hereafter, I will take a new outdoors man or woman on their first hunting, fishing, scouting, hiking, or camping trip. Or I will be taking someone who is looking to up their game in the same uh, outdoor pursuits. Uh, tonight, on the very first show, I'm honored to have uh, such a guest who also is a longtime friend of mine, uh, Kevin Sheckel. Uh, welcome, Kevin. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate it. Introduce yourself, brother. I am, uh, like Mike said, I'm uh, Kevin Schickel, and I'm from Louisville, live here, lived here all my life, um, and I've been fortunate enough to have places to hunt and fish on growing up. Both my parents were from farms, and so I've, I've been, you know, I've caught countless bluegill and bass out of farm ponds and been squirrel hunting since I was six years old, and um, I've always loved the outdoors, but as I grew up, I tried different kinds of hunting, and so... Uh, we're going to talk about turkey hunting, which I've only been doing for a couple of years, but um, but uh, yeah, each each time's a new thing to learn, and it's all uh, it's all really fulfilling. Well, uh, Kevin and I are sitting tonight at the uh, Great Flood Brewing Company Tap Room on Bardstown Road, and uh, Pierce, the guy that manages the place, is grateful enough to let us uh, do the very first podcast here. And uh, I think it's great to be out and support local businesses as well as uh, sure. mentor folks in the outdoors. So let me set this up for us. Let me set it up, set it up. So Kevin called me and said, hey, man, I got this farm where I hunt turkeys. Um, I've done it before. You know, you know me, Mike. I'm a fairly accomplished deer hunter, and, and, and I know what I'm doing. But I think I could get better at it. And uh, I was super happy i really was no bullshit i was really happy because um i know we get along in the woods number one which is always a challenge take anybody hunting right but for another grown-ass man who's an accomplished man like you are to say hey i'm humble enough that i think i could learn something because i do the same thing yeah i do the same thing i'm doing it right now learning how to waterfowl hunt yeah but i've killed I've killed more turkeys than I've got fingers and toes times five. Mm -hmm. And and uh, when you called me and asked my help, I'm like, man, this is awesome because, you know, best case scenario, I call on a bird and help you kill it. Worst case scenario, we have a good morning it's in the woods. It's still a good morning either yeah. way, right? Because right. we get along great yep. in the woods. Yep. So, um, you know, you're the star of the show here, buddy. So I'm just going to ask you some questions sure. and I'm going to shut up. So how long have you been hunting turkeys before you called me last spring? I think maybe four or five years and i've gone with some other guys a couple times and i've gone mostly by myself i do like to hunt by myself because i i really get into the serenity and the you know the whole aspect of just being in the woods 
Um, but I just haven't had a whole lot of success on my own. And I knew that if I want something to really happen, I need to go with somebody that knows what they're doing so I can keep learning. Um, I've read a bunch of books. I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos. But it's just still, when I go by myself, it just wasn't happening. Um, and I feel like I knew kind of how it's supposed to work. But still, I'm coming home with no birds. <laughs> so I knew you really know what you're doing. So I, you know, I gave you a buzz and, and uh, learned a lot that day. Well, that's wonderful. A couple decades of success on my part is, is was uh, included a whole lot of failures, yeah. too. <laughs> right. Um, have you had any success on your own previously? I have managed to get responses from them, calling them, and I've, I've seen a few out there where they're a couple hundred yards away, but they just won't come any closer. And that's, that's kind of some of the stuff I learned that day with you was you can't – always just keep calling and calling and calling if they're not coming you're doing something wrong and i would just wouldn't know what those things were um so yeah i mean i've, I've sort of i've had some encounters but but again just by myself i've never been able to pull the trigger so you hadn't killed a tom before the morning no. we hunted together i went with a friend of mine uh several years ago where he called in a a smaller i mean he was a gobbler and it had a beard and i you know, I shot it that day, and again, with without him, I wouldn't have gotten it. But by myself, I hadn't. I had not killed a bird like that. That one I did that day with you. Excellent. Okay. So you wouldn't consider yourself an experienced turkey hunter? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I know, a, I know you're an experienced deer hunter. I know that. If I want to go out, and then for deer, I'm mostly a meat hunter. Um, and if I want to go out and get a doe, I I can get that done. Um, and and I and I do that, and I love it. Um, but I. I sure do like turkey hunting, though, especially after that day. So there, there is something about calling an animal in to its own. You are literally communicating yeah. with that animal. You're talking to it, and yeah. and you know, I heard that thing gobbling, and and it it got closer, and every time I could hear it closer, like my heart rate just kept going yeah. up and up. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm like, okay, I need to be still, <laughs> but it's not that easy. Right. I, I've I've called in only one elk. I've killed a pile of elk. I think I've killed 11 elk, on, uh, nine of them on public land, and nine with a bow, only two with a gun. And the one I called in is one of the most poignant memories in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I ambushed all the other ones. You know, I stalked them and ambushed yeah. them. So calling an animal in is, is – uh, and that's what I'm doing now is trying to learn how to call waterfowl, and I am terrible at it. So, <laughs> so we're all learning, man. We're all but, learning. But when you're when you're doing a type of hunting that involves calling, you, you can still toy around with it when you're at home and you're not even hunting. You know, I had I had tinkered around with the with the different calls and and whatever, and just listened to videos of them making the noise and trying to see how much I can sound like them, and and uh, it's it's just adds to the whole day. I mean, you're not just going that day; you're you're doing it weeks out before you're going. You know, they got that uh, late-night TV skit called Carpool Karaoke. (laughs) That's where most grown men learn how to call. Right, right. When I'm driving down the road, that's that's when I use the mouth call. (laughs) Because you're in your car and you're isolated. You can make as much noise as you want to. Exactly. So uh, what was the plan that day? The plan was to go find a bird and and shoot a bird uh, to, to have more success than I did on my own. And like you said, even if we didn't, 
locate one that day or if I didn't get a shot that day, my plan was still to walk away with more information and knowledge and uh, experience so that next time I went by myself, I'd maybe be a lot further along than I was. Mm. Um, it was a nice morning. It was, uh, it was Easter morning, as I recall, and it was, it was on a Sunday, and we had real good weather. Um, and, um, yeah, it worked out it, well. It had just quit raining. Yep. Um, and uh, you, you told me in the dark how the farm laid out. Yep. But it was a little foggy that morning. Yep. And I, and I asked you to take me to the low ground. Yep. Yep. You remember? I, I do now. I do now. And, and by the way, this is, uh, if I may, I'd like to thank my cousin David Darty for letting me hunt out there. This is uh, almost 400 acres in Marion County. And a lot of this farm has very steep hills. Um, and there's, you know, some streams go through, and that, I think they lease it out to farming, so you've got some crops out there. And it seems like a really good setup for, for turkeys. It, it definitely is for deer. Um, but, yeah, in the dark, well, you had never even been out there, and so I had to kind of describe to you what we were going to encounter yeah. when we got out there. So there was some trust involved where I was I was uh, asking you to take me to the low ground, and we ended up in about uh, six inches of water. <laughs> right. That was still running off the high ground. Yeah. It was running through our feet. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do now. Mm-hmm. I do. And uh, and uh, you were whispering the um, topography to me in my ear. Yep. Because it was foggy and dark. Yep. And I said, well, we're just going to hang tight real right here in this in this water and wait. And that's, that's the first thing I, I learned is that I'd always read and seen guys on youtube and whatever they'll go out and they'll just start doing a locator call Mm -hmm. and you're looking to hear something back of course and they'll do whatever they'll do a hen or an owl or something and your strategy was more to just don't disturb what nature's already doing just get in there quietly and shut up and just let things happen then if nothing happens well, then we adjust, and then we try something. But but don't go and disturb what's already going on, because if a gobbler's already going to gobble, now you've been undetected for sure. You, you've, you've let things happen the way they're going to unfold. So. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's, that's the way I love to do it, is let nature tell me what the day's going to give me. Yeah. And uh, so we stayed there down in the low ground where we couldn't be seen. Yeah. You know. Uh, we stayed in the brush or in the woods a little bit. Um, out of the field. Yep. And uh, as the fog started to lift, we got a gobble. Yep, we did. We did. Um, and it was, uh, if I can describe, this field's a couple acres. And uh, there's a there's a gravel road that runs along the edge. And uh, that gobble came from up the hill a little bit. That turkey was, was up, I don't know, three 400 yards away, maybe. Um, and then as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, my God, it's on. I mean, something really might happen today. Yeah. So we were at the long end of a uh, of a field that was thinner than it was yeah. long. So yeah. it was a Would long, Would you agree? I don't know, three field. or four acres, maybe? It was about, that first field was uh, certainly less than 10 acres. Yeah. But it ran in a very uh, linear fashion uphill. Then over a little uh, crest, down into a big, wide open field. Yeah. And uh, we stayed in that bottom. Yep. 
waiting yep. for the time to tell us what to do. Yep. Yep. So how how'd you how'd you feel when that uh when that gob, gobbler hammered off the roost like Jeez, that? Jeez, I mean, it's like you're waiting for weeks and weeks to go hunting that day. And then, you know, I'm sitting in sitting doing whatever I'm doing and you daydream about, you know, things actually happen and when you really hear it you're like geez i mean uh something really might happen here and and, it, and for anybody that's not heard a turkey gobble and been out in a field or out in the woods or whatever never heard a turkey gobble it's 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 something i mean it's amazing how loud they can be and they just put their whole body into it and they just sound off it yeah. it's got a little concussion to it you can mm-hmm. almost feel it when it's close yeah for sure so uh we waited till we were sure he was up on the roosts. Yep. And then, uh, then what we do? We we moved into position. Um, I think you want, from what I remember you saying, um, maybe get 150 yards away if you can, or 200, and just find a position. And that's something else I learned that day, where I'd always set up like on a tree line. And looking back, I was way too far out. What you did is is you had me sit, you know, 15, 10, 15 feet in from the tree line so that as he came walking up, I wouldn't be so easily spotted. Um, I, I know that, you know, deer can detect movement, but turkeys, geez, their eyesight's so good. You, you can't move. You just blow the whole thing. So I learned to, to sit way further back in the tree line. So we moved up out of that low ground and out of that water just far enough where you could see as the shooter. Yeah. And then I sat back from behind you. Right. To try to call the bird past you. Right. Well, and that was another thing is from what you said, like they can pinpoint the location of the, of your calling very well. So it's important where your caller sits, not just where the hunter's sitting. And you sat beyond the decoy so that as he he was off to the left and you sat off to the right past the decoy so it would sound like it was coming from it uh, to just drawing past me and and what would you think about when we moved were you nervous about when we moved because we waited till the fog lifted and we had just enough light to move I'm I'm curious to know what you thought about our yeah wh- when we moved and why I wasn't sure how well things are going at that point. <laughs> um, I know persistence is often what gets your success with hunting, um, but we'd heard some gobbling and then it, as I recall, it things stopped and it's like, well, is he gone? Is he still there and not gobbling? Did he go the other way? Is he with a hen? That might have been it, um, but I again I was just following your lead. So um, we got him up and moved and sat down in another place, and then got into position again. And then we heard him gobble again, and I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh! So there's a period for anybody that's hunting turkeys. There's a period where they're gobbling off the roost, and if they're a lone gobbler or they're not too many birds with them, they'll pitch down. And when they first pitch down, they'll spend time orienting themselves again. And there's a quiet period there. And that's sometimes disconcerting. That's sometimes disconcerting to hunters. They think, oh, my God, he was gobbling, 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 and he stopped. See? Now, one of those days. And we moved up. We moved up. 
before he pitched down. So I don't know if you remember, we were in that low ground and we had him gobbling off the roost way up on that ridge. And we moved up to the just this side of some high ground. Mm -hmm. And you got in position about 10, 15 yards in the wood line mm -hmm. where you'd have a what we call a keyhole shot where the gobbler would have to come to you and you'd have a keyhole shot out of the wood mm -hmm. line. And I moved behind you to call him past you. And then he stopped gobbling. See, now. How'd you feel about that? If I can, the days where I've gone by myself, I would have packed up and gone to a different place thinking it was done. And and that's that was one of the things. Just because he quit doesn't mean he's gone. And it was it was hard to. My whole time by myself, I'm like, am I in the right place? And when I was, and I know you know what you're doing, so I'm like, well, I must be in the right place if he told me this is where I need to be. Um, but that was something I learned is is if you hurt him at one time, I mean, geez, don't don't stop on that one. So there's a. It depends on if gobblers already have a hen, of course. Sure. Um, or how many birds are around. But sometimes if a gobbler uh, roosted, um, they may have roosted not in a flock or not with other birds. And so when they fly down, it's been my experience that a lone gobbler that doesn't already have a hen will get quiet. So do you remember how the calling went at that point? Um... I know at the at the later point when he was coming in, as soon as he started to gobble, you hit it with a yelp. Mm -hmm. Like you cut him off every time he That's tried right. to make noise. That's right. Um, and I, I remember also your whole concept there was we're going against nature. Nature says that he's supposed to puff out and, and, and fan his tail out, strut around. And draw that hen into him because he's showing off and he's going to impress her. But what we're doing is getting him to come to the hen instead. And so um, you made a point of pointing those decoys away to not look in his direction so that he'd have to go up past them to be seen. Yeah, I'm, that's, I'm really happy you remember that lesson almost a year later. That's the one of the biggest mistakes when I mentor turkey hunters is they just go out and throw their decoys in the field. Yeah. And, and honestly, the decoy has to be offline at at least a 45-degree angle offline from the bird to you. Uh, if the bird and you and the decoy are in line, sometimes the bird, the tom, will come to the decoy and see you immediately because yeah. he's looking right past the right. decoy. If the decoy is facing him... He's assuming she sees him. Exactly. That's the lesson. It that is, if that's the lesson, if that's one of the lessons. And so why is he going anywhere? That's right. He'll start puffing up and strutting yeah. way out of shotgun range. And I'll bet you, myself included, a lot of hunters think, well, why can't I call this bird in? Here's my decoy. Why He's did he hang coming. up? Why did he hang up? Yeah. And I will tell you that probably seven times out of ten, the reason he hung up was your hen decoy was facing the opposite direction. So when you place your decoy, it needs to be offline. From you and the bird, at least 45 degrees, but it needs to be facing you so that he's got to come around to the front of that decoy. And once he does, he should be in shotgun range. Right. Do you, the, the, the calling, you're exactly right. Once he got quiet and flew down, I did nothing 
but very quietly cluck and purr. And can you explain, now what's that all about? When a hen is clucking and purring, what is she doing and thinking? Um, those are social calls. Um, and generally speaking, hens, while I've seen plenty alone, hens move in at least twos and threes and sometimes very large flocks. And they're always talking to each other. And before they come down off the roost and they're trying to get organized in the morning or they're trying to establish dominance, they'll make a hell of a clatter. But once they're down and they're contented and they're feeding, they just make really, really um, very low, very short clucks. It's like a cat in the house purring. And they're just just talking to each other while they're feeding. Just, hey, I'm over here, you're over there, I'm over here, you're over here, I'm over there. Um, and so what, uh, what I did when he was quiet, which I, I heard him fly down off the roost, but I didn't know if he was going to come to us. And that's I did not hear him fly off the roost. Yeah. We heard those wing beats. Oh, um, okay. And it could have been adrenaline that you didn't. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably happens. was. <laughs> it happens I was the best of us. tinkering with my shotgun and making sure I had the safety. Sure. <laughs> um, but that, that whole period I was clucking and purring until he hammered it. And when he hammered that gobble off in that big field in front of us is when I started Yelping really hard and cutting them off. Okay. Now, you said they travel in twos and threes. That, sure. Hens do usually. Is that, you used two hen decoys. Is mm-hmm. that why? Because I've used one before and I've seen people use one. So, I use a upright hen and a feeding hen almost always. Okay. And uh, in my mind, the feeding hen is insulting that strutting tongue. That strutting Tom is strutting, and she is so not caring. He can't believe she has the nerve. He is so pretty, and he is so puffed up, and he is so studly. And she has the nerve to feed away. Got it. Because, of course, I put, I always point the decoys away. Um, so, yeah, it, if, uh, if I had a video of every hunt where I've killed a bird, they almost always come around on the upright hen side. That's interesting. Because right. they're mad at the hen that, that bitch, why is she looking the other way? <laughs> they, they She's not even looking grumpy. at me. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, you remember me cutting them off? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I also remember at one point an old pickup truck came oh back God, on I that road. I and, totally forgot and, that. And for I totally forgot that. Yeah, for people listening, there we're sitting, I don't know, 30 yards from a gravel road. Yeah. And traffic doesn't travel fast. I mean, you're in first or second gear when you're driving down this road because you're on the edge of a hill. But that bird, I thought, was above this road. So, in other words, it had to cross that road to get to us. It, it happened. That, Did it, it, it happened, didn't it? During the quiet period. Yes, it did. Where he flew down, and I could have swore he flew down into the big field that connected to the little cigar-shaped yeah. end. That, that, you know, you're, you're, you're correct in saying we were on a little, you know, three-acre cigar-shaped yeah. finger. Yeah, yeah. Off that field. Yeah. Yeah. I and thought, And I thought, man, they buggered us. I, I thought it's over. And, they, and I'm I did, like, too. what am I going to do? I, I mean, too. these people have a right to drive on this road, but yeah. they messed up my hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, too. I totally forgot And that. then, um, I don't know how much longer, 10 minutes, the thing gobbled again. Yeah. I'm I, like, well. You know, you and I were separated by about 20 yards, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to risk communicating to you 
and I thought if I just continue to cluck and purr, then Kevin will have confidence that yeah. I still think the bird. I know you're still, yeah. yeah. I still think the bird's coming. And you had a squirrel that almost had a wrestling match with you, too. I thought there was a, uh, there was a <laughs> he was close yeah. about it. It, um, it. If it's not a squirrel, it's a coyote when you're yeah. calling turkeys, man. It, yeah. It's weird. They just, they, they're, squirrels are curious. Coyotes want to eat a turkey, so though. Oh, I get it. There's been more than once we've, you know, boogered a hunt where we had to shoot a, tur- a, a coyote because he just wasn't right. turning around, you know. Yeah. Um, so the bird is just over this rise. We mm-hmm. set we set in what we would call in the military a reverse slope position. We were sitting where we could kind of see that far field, mm-hmm. but we there was a little bit of a hill in between us, and we sat just this side. So the turkey had to crest a little hill mm-hmm. for me to see him, certainly. Yeah. What did it? What happened yeah. at the very end? Tell, tell tell us what happened at the end. Because I'm, like you said, I'm maybe 15 feet inside the tree line. And and one more thing I gotta add is because I've always had this question: How do I raise my gun to aim? Because I'm I'm gonna move and he's gonna bust me. And so you sat me where there was I don't remember what kind of tree it was maybe an oak and the base of that tree was a couple feet wide. And the thing was, wait till he passes behind that tree and raise your gun and just wait. And all you got to do is fire. Um, So he was down to the left. Um, I don't know. That last time I heard him gobble, he was probably 40 yards if even. And that's when my heart just starts going crazy. And I'm like, all right. I mean, and you got to control your breathing, everything. It's like you got to be still, but you're going crazy. And I, I thought I even maybe heard him drumming a little bit. He yeah. Was, yeah. I could hear. Yeah. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm sitting there already thinking, okay, Kevin, shoot the damn bird. And I don't, <laughs> right, right. And you're probably wondering what I'm doing because when he was not in sight yet, I'd raise my gun a couple times to say, where am I going to. Where am I killing? Where, where am I going to be shooting? Yeah. You know, I need to have my lanes because there's all kinds of little branches and twigs and I need a clear clear shot so i did it a couple times and you may have looked at me thinking i was getting ready to fire um but i didn't see him yet i was just getting ready what was funny was is um by the time i could hear the i know i'm so close that you can kill him the thing was where we set up he was gonna have to come up over that tiny little rise in front of you so he could stick his head up and just barely see those decoys yeah yeah but you wouldn't have a shot. Right. And when I started to hear that, I literally rolled up into like a, a little fetal <laughs> position <laughs> thinking the worst thing I can do now is move right, right. and screw <laughs> Kevin's shot up. So if Kevin screws the shot up, right. if Kevin, it's on him. Right. So I right. actually just balled up in a fetal position and I had a little uh, mouth read in and I was doing a kiki, which is a, um, it's an immature turkey call. I, okay, I thought and it was so, a lost bird. I thought. Yeah, it I was just, I was just, pweep, 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 yeah. pweep. Yeah, and just, it's a very contented call. It's a young turkey that's, you know, in and amongst its older hens. And, okay. And uh, but I was oblivious to what was going on because I turned my head completely away, so all he could see was my butt and back. Okay. And I was literally laying on the ground, just waiting for you to shoot, <laughs> and, I, and I could hear. <laughs> 
and you know, and, <laughs> and you're I'm like, like well, shoot that. Why are you not shooting? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and for me, he was, I'm sure, well within range, but he was behind so much brush I couldn't see him. Right. And then he kept, he just kept slowly moving. He kept just poking around and moving. But he was strutting, right? I mean, I'm, I'm in a fetal position. I can't yeah. see. So you're <laughs> right. going to. almost gonna, was, too. You have to tell me and the <laughs> listeners what, right. what, what you saw. Yeah. No, he had, uh, he was fanned out and he was strutting and he was, um, you, you know, they just look around a lot. Their neck and head's always moving. And I saw him, you know, I was going to shoot straight and I saw him to my left, just the head moving around. I'm like, oh my God, there he is. I am going to get a shot. And then I kept thinking the whole thing, don't blow it. Don't blow it. Don't blow it. Um, and then he passed behind that big fat tree I mentioned, and I just raised my gun and sat it there. And Mike, I've been shooting shotguns since I was six years old. And it's like, that's not a hard shot. He was like 23 yards or 24 yards. Yeah, it's not we paced a hard it shot. off. It was, it was pretty close. Yeah, not a hard shot. When you're shooting then, it feels like a hard shot. Um, could, it, could you hear your own heartbeat? Yeah. For sure, for <laughs> I love sure. It. I love it. It was like I was getting ready to go skydiving, man. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable. The adrenaline is crazy, and I've shot a few deer in my time, and you know, there's been the adrenaline from that. But um, I've shot enough to where I'm not quite as jacked up when I when I shoot a deer. But that turkey, it was it was crazy, um, and, and just to see him walking in, and then and then I shot. And then out of nowhere, you jumped in and did some kind of military follow-up where you, like, ran up with your shotgun and to, to make sure he didn't take off and go in. Yeah, buddy, I, I, was, <laughs> I was so jacked. I was so happy. you were so as excited happy. as I was. Yeah, I was so happy for you. But in my mind, I couldn't see what was going on, and I purposefully was. I didn't realize how you couldn't see at that, yeah, at that time. I was. Because I, 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 I thought, man, he. He doesn't see that I don't have a shot yet. He, I, he, I've called an elk for people. I've called in a number of turkeys for people. And at the point where it's time to make the shot, I'm generally in a fetal position praying. And I'm not really? being funny. I really am. Yeah. Generally in a fetal position praying. And uh, that's where I was at with you. Of course, it had happened long enough that I was like, shoot the bird. Mm-hmm. But then the gun went off. You didn't realize I, I, I couldn't. I, between running out there to see the bird flapping and you stoned it. You uh, made a great shot. Good, I'm not good. blowing sunshine up your butt. You made good. a great shot. You good. stoned it. But I, I was doing a little happy dance. But <laughs> I, I did come out with my shotgun ready. Yes, yeah, you to did. You ran up and like put it right up to him. And I'm like, Mike, he's going to die here. You're all Yeah, you stoned him. <laughs> there was no doubt. But he, in my mind, he was not getting away. No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I was really, I was really oh pretty. God. I was pumped, man, because yeah. um, I, I it, it's funny that you remember the, the car going down the road. Um, it was the biggest frustration, and to look back, I mean, it didn't even ruin anything, um, but at the moment, it's like the biggest frustration. And, and I've right. had a deer very close to that spot. And my assumption is the deer are so used to the vehicles going back and forth. And I'm shooting the other direction. And, and it's never been a problem. But turkeys, it, they seem to me like they're so much more skittish. And I was, maybe not. But I, I was. I'm telling you, if turkeys could smell. And nobody ever shoot one. There are birds that can smell, you know. Every, every know species that. of vulture can smell. Okay, but if turkeys could smell, we'd never kill one. There's no way. You'd have to snipe them at 600 There's yards. There's no way. Yeah. 
So uh, how'd, how'd you actually feel at the shot, man? Talk to me oh about my how, you, how you felt at the shot. When I actually squeezed the trigger, um, I mean, I was just like, okay, just you want to hit him right below the head if you can. And and I've got, I just have a, I have a Stoger, um, I think it's a P350, that might be the model number. I've got some aftermarket sights just because I like them and I feel more comfortable about the shot. Um, and you gave me a shell if you want to talk about there's a particular shell that you liked that we yeah used. I, I asked you what what ammunition you were shooting and you're shooting had, a, a um, long beard yeah d- like d- a, i think a winchester, winchester long beard, beard and yeah. I, i'm a big fan of um heavy shots blend yeah and i said man if you don't care yeah um well no i don't try care. try <laughs> one of these three and a half inch heavy shot blends you know it's got five sixes and sevens in the same um, shell and it, it, it right. w- it'll reach out to them, but it'll also get them at close range. Right. So um, uh, the the big thing is when you're that when you're that r- jacked up on adrenaline. I I mean I don't want to pull the shot. You know you just mm. want to jerk the trigger and and move the gun and mess up your shot. It's hard not to do that. Yeah. Um, and again, I've been shooting many years, um, but it's, it's still hard, <laughs> hard to not do that. So yeah, I mean, you know, we all say it. If it wasn't that exciting, we quit. If yeah. it got to the point where we're just killing things. Well, and the thing is, I mean, that instant, I'm like, oh my god, I want to go. I mean, I'm let's addicted to turkey hunting. Let's it's, do this again. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So you felt great at the shot. Oh, I felt great. Well, in 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 the first thing you want to do is you want to kind of celebrate. You take your pictures. Um, and there's no phone reception. I couldn't text anybody at the moment. Uh, but you and I took some pictures. I'm like, man, this is going on Facebook. This I got, I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got to text everybody. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you know, fun. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little weird here, and I'm gonna say it's fun for me to see such happiness in a grown ass man's yeah. face. Yeah. Oh my God, I was like, I was I 10 mean, years old. Yeah, you look it, like it a, was, you look like a was, kid at Christmas. That's a good way to put it, because my dad started taking me squirrel hunting when I was like six, and. I hadn't shot one myself when I was six, but I watched him do it. And I was so, when I saw him raise that shotgun and get ready to fire, I was going crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope he gets it. Hope he gets it. And when he did, I went crazy. And it was very, you're all the way back to childhood again. Um, it's, it's, it's just the most rewarding thing in the world. So uh-huh. beautiful morning. Oh, it was great. Watch, yeah. the, watch the fog lift. Yeah. Watch the sun come up. Yeah. It was you know, got to hear all the songbirds singing, got right. to hear a turkey gobble, and got to feed your family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what did you think about the uh, the way that uh, I clean a bird? You know, you asked me to teach you to clean a bird. Yeah. So what did you think about that? Um, I, I learned that if you don't just start ripping it apart, um, there's a method to doing it. And I remember us, you know, the 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 big breast meat has two lobes that you got to work around um, and carefully cut off. And then I, I think there were some places on the was it on the wings, the drumsticks, where you kind of broke the bones a little bit to kind of break it open. Yeah, uh, you wanted the breasts on the bone, as I remember. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, uh, if I remember right, the wishbone and, and whatnot was going home with you, so we had to yeah we had to cut it at the wing joint and then cut the ribs right. Um, but then you said, you know, hey Mike, I want to use all this bird. Well, I'm I'm real big on I've killed this animal. 
I, I, I've killed this animal, and I, I just don't feel good about wasting any, any of it. Um, so people say that the drumsticks aren't any good and thigh meat's not any good. I at least wanted to try cooking it and see what I could do. So, you know, you feel confident now that after you saw, you know, how you peel that skin back and you, you sometimes you got to use a knife you know people don't really realize this if you're going to get it done right you may have to use a little bit of knife work to uh to skin a bird you know not right. a whole lot you right. can if you're strong and grown man with good hand strength you can you can peel most of it right but we got uh as i remember we got the whole breast and, and we did uh and uh the uh, uh what we call the thighs and the drumsticks on the chicken too right yeah. Right, and so what I did with the uh, the drumsticks and the thighs, I ground them up. And oh, I, really? And I and I mixed them with some sausage that I got from a wild boar I shot. And it might sound kind of crazy, but it was delicious. Really? <laughs> I didn't fa- know that. That's it was cool, fantastic. man. None of the meat went to waste. That's cool. So then, and, the, then the and br- your baby girl. Oh, did my, she eat it? My youngest daughter. Ava, so my older daughter, Anna, she's not really into wild game mm-hmm. as much, uh, but my younger daughter, Ava, loves it. She'll, yeah. eat, she'll eat venison. She and I together ate that whole wild boar that I shot. Nice. And uh, she she loved turkey meat, too. So, and then the breast meat, um, I put a rub on it um, that I got. I don't know if you've ever had Mama's Barbecue, but their wings are crazy good, and you can buy the rub that they use. And I just I Mama's out on Hurstborn. Yes, sir. Let me there's explain another something one to you about Mama's out on Hurstborn. All right, they've got a St. Louis vinegar barbecue sauce that will turn squirrel meat into heaven. <laughs> I I, I uh, slow cook and jerk, and well, I slow cook and pull the squirrel meat, so okay. it looks like jerk meat. And then I soak it in their vinegar, their St. Louis vinegar barbecue sauce, yeah. and 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 serve it on a toasted bun, and yeah. people freak out. And it's, it's not it, because it, I'm a good cook; it's that barbecue it's, sauce. Oh, it's oh it's my unbelievable. god! It's unbelievable. And, and I so I bought the the jar of the rub that they have. Mama's needs to endorse this podcast because oh, we're, like, we're <laughs> well. Let's give them a call. <laughs> <laughs> so you were saying? Yeah. Um, so I coated them with you know some oil. And, and then did the rub on there and then put it in um, in the oven. I think it was like 350 for about 40 minutes, and they were just fantastic. And I just just slice it up, and you can do whatever you want with it. Um, I had some people over for some occasion and just kind of had that out as an appetizer. And so, so your lovely partner, which um, I think she's quite creative because she did something interesting. Yeah, with, that, was, uh, that was the best part. Okay. So my girlfriend Jennifer likes to make, she makes derby hats, and she makes them for herself, and she's made some for her friends. So one of the first things we talked about, because I told her, I'm like, I, I got a bird, I, I got a turkey, and sent her pictures. She took some feathers, I think most of them for the wings, but there might have been a couple from the tail, and she made derby hats with them. And she and I went to Thurby that year. And all day long, 
people were coming up. These women are coming up to her. Oh, my God, I love your hat. He says, oh, well, thank you. I made it myself. And he shot the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the funny thing is, she told me a few days ago, she goes, you need to shoot me another turkey this year. Oh, like, nice. Well, if it's for the good of our relationship <laughs> for me to shoot turkey. <laughs> Twist my arm. I'll go do it. Yeah. Well, that's I, I known that you done something like that, but yeah. I wanted you to, to illustrate that yeah. for anybody that might be listening to this. Yeah. Um, so it's it's ten weeks till turkey season now. Yeah. Um, you know, eight Jeez, weeks. That eight doesn't sound very long. Yeah, no, no, no. Eight weeks to uh, to use season, I believe. And if you were to give any novice turkey hunter that listens to this podcast advice on equipment or shotguns, what would you tell them? Um, I I think with a with a rifle, you need. Oh, you need a whole lot of accuracy. Um, for a shotgun, I mean, it, it's just a tube. It's it's. I, I've never wanted to put, a, for some reason, I've never put a whole lot of money into a shotgun. Um, I, I bought one at Academy for maybe 300 bucks. Um, I do like the aftermarket sight because I feel like I can be aiming up or down and it's just not lined up and I just like a rear sight with it. That's why I did it that way. Um, I so you you put like a buckhorn rear and a fiber optic front yes, on your shotgun, what, if I remember. That's what I did. So that you could aim your shotgun like a rifle. Right. And I've seen, I've used a red dot and and whatever. I don't know what you got to do all that, but but I like a rear sight to go together with the with the front sight, so that you don't shoot under or over. I, um, I, I think that's wise. Yeah. I think if uh, if you have some discipline about shot length. Yeah. You can, you know, if your shot's going to be inside 30 yards, you can pretty well get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about what about your camo and your calls and stuff? What would you, what kind of advice would you give to a new hunter? Um, I, I, I don't think a turkey vest costs at all that much money. Um, I think I just got, like, the hunter specialties vest maybe at Walmart or something. But the, the thing is there is you got that, that seat, that cushion that hangs off the back. And so you can sit down. you got to remember, I mean – you're, you're going to be sitting for a while, maybe, and you need to be very still, which means you, you want to be comfortable. So um, it, make sure it, it make sure another thing is that, that you, you've got some boots where you can be able to walk through some water. Um, I'll tell you another story. I took Jennifer hunting, and we went through this field, and... There was no creek or anything there, but we got out of the truck and we started walking and we were standing in four inches of water because there had been a ton of rain. Now, she didn't have the right boots for it, and I did, so her feet were wet and mine weren't, and which was a pretty big mistake of me um, to not prepare well for it. But, but make sure, you may not think you're going to be crossing through some wet areas, but you, you really ought to be prepared for that. Um, yeah, and you make a great point. You know, if even if your rubber boots aren't camouflage, you know they're going to be, you know, right up against the ground. Yeah. If if it helps you stay dry. Yeah. And it helps you stay still. Yeah. And helps you be comfortable. Right. You got a better chance of waiting that bird out. Yeah. And That's a great point. And and I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong here, but I like to travel light just because. I'm, I'm going to be, I might be moving a lot. So I'd like to take as little equipment as necessary to get the job done. Um, that being said, you're the one to add the decoys. and 
Yeah, you know, it's funny that uh, some of the guys that I hunt turkeys with over the years are, uh, uh, I don't want to call them gear nerds, but they've got everything under the sun. And I've seen, and yeah, I mean, I've watched guys hunt and, and for, for deer, too, and it's like they're lugging all this stuff through the woods, and I'm like, I, that's just not my thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not as much into lugging all that stuff with me. Um. So what would you say to a, a new turkey hunter? There's not a whole lot they would need then, right? Just I, enough? I don't think there's much you need. Um, I mean, you, you might have something else to say on the shotgun, but, I mean, any shotgun with a, with a choke, a turkey choke, is fine. And, and you got to think, well, before the turkey choke tubes were out, they still kill turkeys. So, um, you know, I, most of the shots, I would guess, are inside 25 yards or so. So, I mean, just get you a good shotgun, um, and, and the calls aren't expensive. Um, you know, the, I think being still is probably the most important thing, and it, it's not a ton of equipment that's necessary. I mean, with deer hunting, at least, you got tree stands and stuff. You don't even have that here. It's just you're just getting around on your feet. So, I mean. It's, pr- it's pretty low-level, pretty low bar. Right. For entry. And, and, and think about this, too, is even if you don't shoot a turkey when you go, you, you're very possibly going to hear one in the springtime when you go out. That's just what's going on in the woods. Um, so, so get out there and spend some time with it. And, you know, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think you need all the elaborate setups that you sometimes see. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I don't even use a, vo- a vest anymore if you're really. I don't know if you remember that day. I, I was well, carrying a, I was carrying that. a sack full of decoys, and everything else was in my pocket. You know, the funny thing is, um, I use my vest for squirrel hunting. Um, now I do use I do use a vest for squirrel hunting because, because it's got it's that back flap that I can sit on. Well, yeah, and it also has a pouch to carry them in. Yeah, yeah. You get you get six or eight if you're hunting with a buddy. You know, limit six. But if you're hunting with a buddy and I hunt with some older gentlemen, and uh, they want me to carry their squirrels. Well, you get 10 fox squirrels. Let me tell you something. You're carrying 15 pounds of fox squirrels. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, man, this was a blast. Oh, yeah. I'm so yeah. happy to have had you as the first guest on the Outdoor Mentor. I appreciate it. Um, what are your final thoughts? you got any final thoughts for people that might want to up their game or might want to start hunting or fishing or camping or hiking? Um, final thoughts on anybody who's not quite sure about turkey hunting i mean the thing i would say is is you need more patience than anything else i i have probably messed up several hunts because i didn't i didn't stay still long enough i didn't stay in place long enough that's one of the things i mentioned and then um anybody who's not hunted or fished or gone hiking it is it is the most therapeutic thing in the world to just get out in the woods Go find some water, find a stream, find some woods. Um, and, and my personal favorite part of that is is right in the morning as the sun's beginning to come up. And you can start to see the silhouettes of the trees. I, I feel like I often hear an owl. Um, you just, it's, to be around that stuff is unbelievable. When you go back into your day-to-day life, it's just like hitting a big reset button. It, it really does something for you. So whatever your thing is, it's your fishing or your hunting or your hiking, um, I just encourage anybody listening to, to spend time in nature. It really does a lot for you. 
Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you to Kevin, um, and I'm sure we're going to hunt again in the future. Absolutely. Um, If you're an adult who is new to the outdoors or uh, just looking to improve as a hunter, fisher, or general outdoors man or woman, um, email me. My address is ranger, R-A-N-G-E-R, at theslowhunt.com. So ranger at theslowhunt.com. I get back to everyone that emails me, and uh, maybe you'll be the next guest on this podcast. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Grayson Jenkins. Uh, Grayson is um, the musical artist that allowed us to use uh, his music for the intro uh, and for this entire show. So you can look Grayson, just like Grayson County, Kentucky, Grayson Jenkins, up on YouTube and see a bunch of his music videos and he is a very talented young man and uh so thank you grayson um for uh allowing us to use your music thanks again to pierce who manages great flood brewing company uh for us uh kevin and i to podcast in his facility tonight and uh the beer is good trust me and uh this podcast is part of the slow hunt llc network and remember everybody slow is smooth and smooth as fast.